God, even still, you are worth more than that. You're worth our, our praise and the time that we have spent to wake up early this morning and get here. You are worth the time that we have taken because you are holy. You are almighty God. The beginning and the end. Our Savior. You are awesome. So Father, as we sing the words of these songs taken from scriptures and as we open scriptures now, Lord, would you change our hearts? As we experience your glory this morning, would you change us this week to live for you, to be disciples who make more disciples for your glory and yours alone. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated this morning. Are you glad this morning that Jesus died for you? Would you say amen? amen? I'm thankful for the cross. And I'm ashamed when I sing those words that many days or moments of days that I fail to appreciate what Christ did for me. Do, do you feel that, that tension also in your own life? The, the excitement to, to sit in this room this morning and to worship with these young, uh, these students, and to just be reminded of the cross and what Jesus did on the cross. And, and, and I, don't, I don't know about you, but it, it just took me to a place of some emotions. Thankful for what Christ did and that at the age of 17, I finally decided I'm going to stop playing church. I can't be good enough, and we could all say amen to that. Hey, I want to give my life to Jesus. Do you remember when you did that? Do you remember when you did that? And I would say this morning, if, if you don't have that memory... That I hope by the time you leave this service today, maybe today is that memory. Maybe today is a day that you, like I was at the age of 17, today is a day that you say, I need Jesus because he died for me. Could you just bow your heads for a moment? And I just want to give you an opportunity in this moment to thank Jesus for the cross. And I want to give you a, a moment right now, if, if you, don't, you don't have a story. And here's what I want you to pray right now. If, if you don't have a story, if you don't have a moment when you gave your life to Jesus Christ and you admitted that you were a sinner, and that you couldn't be good enough to go to heaven and that you needed Jesus for forgiveness of sins, I'm going to ask you right now in this moment, I want you to pray that during this hour that we meet, that God would reveal himself to you. That you would answer his call of salvation on your life. There will be an opportunity at the end of our service for you to come forward and ask someone, to tell someone, I want to give my life to Jesus today. And I'm asking you right now, if you don't have a story, to pray to God right now, God, reveal to me my need for salvation. God, we come to you today, and Lord, we are humbled that we have the opportunity to know who Jesus is. Lord, I'm humbled this morning to think of how many times that I told you no. And yet you continue to give me an opportunity. 
Lord, I'm convinced there's somebody in here this morning that, that needs to give their life to you. And Lord, I pray right now, even as they are praying, that you would reveal yourself to them and that you would reveal their need for salvation and their need for Jesus today as we walk through Scripture. May your word speak into their life and may you challenge them to give their life to you today. Lord, it's in your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to turn me to Exodus. We are starting a new series. So Exodus chapter 25, we are starting a new series uh, this uh, today that will be going for the next seven weeks. We're going to walk through what the series the title is called, The Promise. And uh, really, we're going to be looking at uh, the tabernacle and then also looking at the elements of the tabernacle that will um, really, as you you understand the Old Testament and then you realize that Jesus, and we're going to point these things out as we walk through the tabernacle, that Jesus was the fulfillment of the Old Testament tabernacle, that Jesus fulfilled. And so we're going to walk through these. And I want to show you just a, a, a real quick uh, picture of what the tabernacle would have looked like. And again, we're going to talk about this for the next few weeks, but the tabernacle uh, was really, so kind of interchangeable words here, tabernacle and temple. Tabernacle really signifies what you see here is that this was a mo this was mobile, right? So this traveled the forty years with uh, the, the Jews in the wilderness as they were, you know, traveling around, wandering around because they failed to obey God, and this was the meeting place for them to meet with God as they were traveling. Uh, it didn't just stop the tabernacle. Uh, this this mobile tabernacle really was in existence for more than the 40 years, all right, 500 years or so before Solomon then built the temple. Then that t temple stood for 400 years, and the Babylonians destroyed that temple. And then later we read in Ezra and Nehemiah that they would go back and restore the temple. And so typically when we say tabernacle, we're talking about this picture of mobile, that it's moving, the tent. The tent of meeting would be another name for this. Then when we use the word temple, most often you would be signifying, so when Solomon built the temple, an actual physical permanent slash permanent, right, structure. All right, so as we walk through this, the next picture is going to show a little bit uh, about how you would walk through kind of this diagram. So you can see where the arrow is. We're, we're walking here from uh, right to left on the screen. There's the gate there. Then the first um, element that you would come across is this altar of burnt offerings, or also would be known as the bronze altar. Now, if we were going to go straight through order, we would be there next week, but we're going to skip that one next week, and we're going to talk about the bronze laver, which is the next one, okay? And the reason we're going to do that is we're going to save the altar of burnt offerings for Palm Sunday, okay? And so we're just going to march through that. So you can see there's three sections of this tabernacle. Uh, on the top, you can kind of see where they're that are signified here, outer courtyard, okay, the, those two elements, the altar burnt offerings and the laver are made out of bronze, and that's the outer courtyard. The next segment, as you go into behind the veil, one of the veils, is a holy place, and you would find the table of showbread, right? Again, when you think about the table of showbread, and we're going to get to this, is Jesus is the bread of life, the menorah, or the, the lampstand. Also, Jesus is the light of the world, altar of incense and the ark of the covenant. All right, so we're going to talk about just the tabernacle this morning and talk about these really just kind of an overview of the Old Testament tabernacle. And A.B. Simpson says, he's going to read this quote, the tabernacle is the greatest of all Old Testament types of Christ. It was all one great object lesson 
of spiritual truth. And so every element here would point to a particular part that Jesus would fulfill. Robbie Gowdy says it this way, the study of the tabernacle, or to, to study the tabernacle, is to study Christ, to study Jesus. And so a lot of this information that we're going through is going to be uh, uh, through a series that Robbie Gowdy did, also from a book that he wrote, The Forgotten Jesus. Um, and it's interesting that um, in, in your Bible, you'll find like two chapters de uh, devoted to creation of the world, okay? And six days devoted to the creation of the world. In your Bible, you'll also find over 40 chapters devoted to the tabernacle and, and 40 days devoted to building the tabernacle. So it plays a great importance in what we should understand and why we should study it. So we're going to look, if you got your outline there in your bulletin, hope you're following along this morning, or if you're on the YouVersion Bible app, that you follow along there as well. Let's read Exodus chapter 25, verses 1 through 9. I'm going to march through this this morning. All right, Exodus 25, verses 1 through 9. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they may bring me an offering. From everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. Verse 3, and this is an offering which shall take from the, them gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, goat hair, ramskins, dyed red, badger skins, and acacia wood, oil for the light, and spices from the oil, oil, and for the sweet incense, onyx stones, and stones to be set on the ephod and in the breastplate. Verse 8, and let them make me a sanctuary. And if you're looking at your Bible, or on your phone, I, I would encourage you to highlight this next word. It says, that I may dwell. Let's focus on this for a moment. God is telling Moses to tell the people to build a tabernacle. And why is he wanting them to build a tabernacle? Verse 8 here says, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may what? dwell or live among them. Do you realize God wants a relationship with you? Build me a tabernacle that I may dwell among them. Verse number 9, according to all that I show you that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the furnishings, just so you shall make it. So he, in other words, God is saying, I want you to make a tabernacle so I can dwell with you. And by the way, do it exactly like I said to do it. And I'm going to give you a lot of instructions. And we're not going to take time to read all the instructions. But you can do that on your own. And so God is saying, build me a tabernacle. So number one, on your outline, the, the tabernacle is a visual dwelling for God. It's going to be the presence of God. If you remember, go back to the Garden of Eden. And God, uh, God would dwell with Adam and Eve in the garden. And when he dwelled with Adam and Eve in the garden... Then what took place in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve sinned. God created them for fellowship, and God created them for relationship, and their sin broke the relationship, broke the fellowship, and because of their sin, no longer would God dwell with his people. And so the tabernacle, as we watch and, and walk through this and march through this, we're going to realize that the tabernacle was a way for God to dwell with his people in spite of their sin. And there's all of these requirements for them to enter into the presence of God. And we're going to want to walk through that. And this tabernacle, when we think about just a simple definition of what this tabernacle means, 
It means a dwelling place. Again, Exodus 25, verse 8. God told Moses, build a tabernacle so that I can dwell with my people. Number two. The tabernacle is a lesson of authority. This is really, we're going to walk through this one really quick. The tabernacle is a lesson of authority. So again, we read in, in Exodus 25, verses 1 through 2, that he commands them to build the temple. And they give the offering so they can build the tabernacle. In Exodus 25, 8, he says, so I can dwell with you. Verse 9, then he says, build it just like I've told you to build it. And here's the instructions. And, and let me read this for you when I think about his authority. And all the instructions and all the requirements that you can read through there of what they were supposed to do. Listen to this statement. To this end, God gave very specific instructions about the size of each component and the materials the Israelites would, were to use. These summer, excuse me, seemingly cumbersome rules were not intended to burden the people. So again, we're talking about God's authority, and God has given him specific instructions down to the measurements of every piece of wood that would go in there on how to build his tabernacle. His tabernacle being the place that he would dwell. His tabernacle where his glory would be revealed to his people. And he's not doing it. He's not making all these rules just to make it hard on the people. But why, is he, why does he have specific instructions? says to show God's unquestionable authority and holiness. Because of our sin, we're separated from God. And because of the nation of Israel and their sin, they were separated from God. And God wanted a way to dwell with his people. But there were going to have to be some requirements in order for him to be in the presence of their sin. There was going to have to be some redemption that took place. He says also to emphasize that people could not could only come to God. Listen to this. Why did he go through such detail? Why all the rules? Why all the requirements? Because he wanted his people to know that they would come to him on his terms, not theirs. Do you catch that? Is that true for us today? Can you come to God on your terms? Yes or no? No. There's a way to come to, to God, isn't there? And we're going to get there, all right? We're going to get to that. Now, let's go back several years before, well, really, let's go back one year before God gave the instructions to Moses to build the tabernacle. One year prior to, the, to God asking Moses to build the tabernacle, to have a place where he could dwell with his people. There was an event that took place. The event was, some of you might know, the pa Passover. Remember the Israels were in bondage in Egypt, and they couldn't, they, they cried out to God, God, please save us, please save us. And you know, they finally repented of their sins, and God uses Moses and, and all the plagues that take place, and Pharaoh continues to harden his heart. And then finally, there's the last plague that breaks the will of Pharaoh. You remember what it was? It was the, last, the, the firstborn son was all over Egypt. The firstborn male was killed. But remember, God gave Moses some instructions, and God told Moses that they, they, if they wanted to be saved or redeemed from 
the death angel at their house, what would they do? They would, they would slaughter a male goat or a male lamb, and they would put the blood of the goat over the doorpost and down the doorjamb of their, their house. And, and when the death angel would come and see the blood on the house, the house was covered by the blood, what would the angel now do? Passover. So that first event when the nation of Israel was redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. The angel passed over. And what we have to understand from this is God is always in the business, has always been in the business of doing what? Redeeming his people. But it doesn't stop there. Fifty days later, Moses would be on Mount Sinai. Fifty days from Passover, and he would be on Mount Sinai, and he would... God would reveal himself to Moses, and he would reveal himself through the law. And he gave Moses the law. And what was the purpose of God giving Moses the law? It was to reveal himself to his people. But before he can reveal himself to his people, what was he do first? Redeem them. So he's redeemed them at Passover. Fifty, la- 50 days later on Mount Sinai, he has revealed himself to them. And here we are a year later. God has redeemed them. God has revealed himself to them so that he can do what? Relate with them. Dwell with them. And so we hear, here we are a year later. God says, Exodus 25, verse 8, Build me a sanctuary that I may dwell with my people. God has always been in the business of redeeming. God has always been in the business of revealing himself to us. And God has always been in the business of relating and communicating in relationship with us. And again, you'll hear this often. Uh, coming to God is not about religion. It's about relationship. Let's look at number three. That was a long introduction, really, to get to number three. The tabernacle is a picture of God's redemptive plan. So as we walk through this tabernacle and we look at the elements of the tabernacle, you're going to see that every element is a picture of Christ and every element is a picture of of redemption. Every element is a picture of God trying to reconcile man with him because God created us for fellowship with him. Sin, all the way in the garden, broke that fellowship. We today still, Romans 3.23 still applies to us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And everyone in the room you, there is no way for you to get to heaven except by being redeemed. And that's been God's plan all along. John chapter 1, in the beginning. Let's turn there. How about we turn there, right? We've got a couple, a couple verses on the screen for you, but not all of them. So let's just go ahead and turn to John. John chapter 1. I like, I like new technology and things, but there's something that I like about hearing in church, hearing people turn the pages of their Bible, right? Like, I can't hear you scroll, which is fine. I just can't hear it. Uh, it's like I was telling the, the students um, last night, pray, pray for the, 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 their band. Their band broke down. I got a call last night about 9.30. Hey, we're, we're stuck. Can you come pick us up? No, I can't. No, I, 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 I did go pick them up. But it reminded me this morning as I was watching them is, is how things have changed because uh, uh, Nate, who's the vice president of Baptist Bible College, he's actually the one that called me and said, hey, can you go pick them up? And he met me where they were at. Um, and in the summer of 1995, 
Nate and myself, we were on a team just like these guys. Well, the music quite wasn't quite the same, but we were on a team uh, like that. And uh, we traveled all over the United States that summer. And so me and Nate really know what they're, kind of know what they're going through. But I told them, you guys are so lucky because when we traveled and our van broke down, uh, we didn't have a phone. I mean, we had quarters. And you maybe find a phone, right? How many know what I'm talking about? And we didn't have Google Maps. We had the Atlas map, right? The big road map. Like, we're, I don't know which way this goes. Yeah, how many of you can read a map? All right, liars. Anyways, <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe most of you. Man, I, I was so, I hadn't planned on telling you this, so don't, don't judge me, but maybe I shouldn't tell it. Anyways. Too late now. I was so mad. We were we were on our last journey. We were in Pennsylvania, and we were driving back to Springfield, so ready to be done with this trip. We were in nine different youth camps. We were in Georgia, Michigan, Utah, uh, California, Texas, and and like it would have been smart for someone to make a circle for us to enjoy, but it, we made a star across. Anyways, <laughs> across the United States. Um, we were driving back, and I was driving. You know, it was pretty simple. You know, like, we're on this road for a long time. Just keep going the same direction. And uh, one of the guys is like, um, I- I'm tired, so I want to take a break. So I get one of the guys, uh, Scott Bettinger's name. If you, if you know him, you can blame him. And so I go back, and I'm sleeping. About two hours later is all. He's like, oh, I can't drive anymore. And, you know, he's just uh, a punk is what he was. And so I'm like, all right, I'll get back in and drive. And I'm like, where are we at? Just keep going. We're on the same road. Okay, great. I drive about 45 minutes and I see a sign for Flint, Michigan. It's like, we are headed north. We're not supposed to be headed north. We're, we should be heading east. Scott, where are we at? Huh? I never got off the road. Oh, you are a liar. Anyways, where did that all go from? Oh, I love hearing the Bibles turn the pages. Techno- I don't know. John chapter 1, verse 1. That was your commercial break, I guess. In John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word is with God, and the Word was God. And, and the Word here speaking of truth, but it's also speaking of a person, specifically a person. In the beginning was the Word. That's a person. The person is truth. The Word was with God, and the Word was God, and nothing was created except this person, the Word, spoke truth, and the worlds were created. Can I get an amen? amen? And who was this person? Well, how do you know? John chapter 1, verse 14. And the Word, this person, truth, He became flesh, and He dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, God built the tabernacle so he could reveal his glory to his people. God sent his son so he could reveal his glory in himself. And the glory of God. The glory of God that will only was able to, one man from one family, from one tribe, one day a year was allowed to go enter into that holy of holies. 
into the very presence of God. And that one person on that one day of the year from the one tribe, from the one family, he was the only one that could enter into the presence of God. And if he did anything wrong, any of the requirements were wrong, he would fall dead in the presence, in the Holy of Holies. And it was such a, uh, such a serious matter that the other priests who were not allowed to go, and it wasn't their turn to go in, if they didn't hear enough noise for a long time, they would, uh, a lot of commentaries will say there was a string attached to that high priest, and they would pull him out because they couldn't go into the presence of God. God wants us to understand he is holy, and we are not. And there is no way we can get into the presence of God unless we follow his rules. So one man from one family, from one tribe, on one day of the year, would be the mediator for the God's people to God himself. God reveals himself. And Jesus came to the earth. Jesus became and revealed the glory of God. Aren't you thankful for John 1, verse 14? Jesus, the glory of God, became flesh and he dwelt among us. Number four, it gets better. Believers are now the dwelling place of God. So as Jesus came to the earth to reveal the glory of God, now the glory of God is revealed in his temple. But where is God's temple? Is this building God's temple? Where's God's temple today? You are God's temple. The glory revealed in the Holy of Holies. The glory revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. If you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, that glory is in you. Does that blow your mind? What it should do is humble you. That we have direct access to God the Father through Jesus the Son. We're not going to take a week to talk about it, but i got to point out on that, that uh, second slide I showed you and it had the different elements, there was one way to enter into the, into the tabernacle. It was at the gate. There was one gate, only one way to get into the tabernacle. It was through the gate. Now, as you think about that for a moment, does that remind you of any particular passage of Scripture? Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 14? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me, Jesus. Jesus is, then. what, what does he represent then? The gate. All those rules, all those regulations, how can I get into the presence of God? Now that Jesus came, guess what? There's one way. It's through Jesus. Jesus also said this in John chapter 10. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep, or I am the gate. All who here come before me are thieves and robbers, but 
the sheep did not hear them. Verse number 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. You see, now we are the temple of God. You know, uh, Friday I had an opportunity. You, you guys ever get roped into things you don't really want to do? Anybody, anybody do that? I, I don't even know how. I'm going to blame Allison. Allison, our children's director, she sent me an email, you know, saying that Dallas Park need, Elementary School needed some people to go over and do career day. So I signed up. And I'll be, I'll be completely honest with you. I got the schedule last week, I think. And uh, I, I didn't really know what I was signing up for. But they had me on the schedule to speak four times for 30 minutes each time uh, to elementary school kids. And I was like, well, it'll be all right. And then I get the list of where I'm going. And, and two of these classes were kindergarten classes. And one was a pre-K class. I was like, how am I, what am I supposed to do to entertain kids for 30 minutes, right? And then a fourth grade class. And I, I'm, I'm just being really transparent. I did not want to go. Don't judge me. I did not want to go. So I got there, and this, this first class went great. Second class, I, I went to the class I was supposed to go. I don't know where I'm going. I just got a name, you know. Show up, and there's nobody in the class. Yes. Somebody goes, who are you looking for? And I'll tell them, and they're like, oh, they joined classes. With, oh, great, now it's two classes. Praise God. And I walk in. It's two pre-K classes, and I was not excited. And I sat there and talked for a while, and so ma mainly what I did was ask questions, because I didn't want to talk. And uh, I was, it's career day, so I'm asking them questions and, and, and trying to get them to guess what my career is. And finally, you know, we get around to preacher, and, uh, and I'm like, what, what, what do you think a preacher's supposed to do? And this little five-year-old girl says, tell people about the cross. I'm like, wow, okay. I'm starting to like this class. And I said, that's great. Anybody know what I would tell, what would, I, what would a preacher tell people about the cross? And this little kid, Joshua, raised his hand. He was like a five-year-old kid. And he said, uh, tell them that Jesus died for him. It's like, that's awesome, Josh. You are the man, you know, like this is awesome. And I, and start, so I talk a little bit about that. Joshua raises his hand again. He's kind of got this concerned look on his face. I'm like, yeah, Josh, what's up? And he said, uh, well, why did Jesus have to die? Hmm, great question, Josh. Let me answer that for you. He said, Jesus had to die because God loved you so much, and he wanted to have fellowship with you. And because me, I'm, I've done bad things, I can't have fellowship with God. But Jesus loved you so much that he sent his son to die to take your place, Joshua. Isn't that pretty awesome? Yeah, that's pretty awesome. If a five-year-old kid can understand it, so can you. Jesus came. He revealed the glory of God to pay the penalty of my sin debt so that Paul could say, for by grace you are saved. It's through faith, not of works. It's a gift of God. So this morning, if you're in here, 
and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, why not do it today? The tabernacle points out that we can't be good enough to get to God. Jesus came to reveal we can't be good enough to God. And Jesus changed everything. I told you that a year after Passover, Moses began to build the tabernacle. I also told you that 50 days after Passover, the original Passover on Mount Sinai, God revealed himself. And God revealed himself through the law. 50 days prior to that, remember Passover, you remember the three things, Passover, Jesus redeemed his people. 50 days later, he revealed himself to his people so that he could, a year later, relate with his people. Jesus Christ on Passover. Remember they were in the upper room and they were celebrating Passover and they was crucified on Passover. 50 days later, there was Pentecost. God revealed himself. You see, Jesus, just like in the Old Testament, there was redemption. 50 days later, there was the revelation of who God is so that God could relate with his people. And Jesus hung on the cross to redeem you and to pay for your sin debt. And 50 days later, he revealed himself through the power of the Holy Spirit so that he could have a relationship with you. Aren't you thankful for the cross? Aren't you thankful that Jesus was willing to die for you? And here's, we, we could spend a long time on this one thought, and we didn't even get to it, but in your outline there's some scripture about Paul saying, your body is now the temple of God. And so who is he speaking to there? He's speaking to you as a believer. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, then your body belongs, this is the temple of God. Should that impact what I use my body to do? The words that I say, the things that I think, the things that I allow, that I consume, the places I go, what I say, who I say them to, it should. Robbie Gowdy said it this way, I love this, and, and, and we, could, I get, we could expound this a long time, but we won't. It says, it, as speaking to those of us who have Jesus Christ in our life, is God just a resident or is he president? And I want you to wrestle with that this morning. If God is not the president of your life right now, in a moment we're going to stand and we're going to have a time of worship and a time for you to respond. And I would encourage you to come down here. Make the decision today. God, I don't want you just to be a resident. I want you to be president in control of my life. And, and I'm just going to give you a warning. I'm going to challenge you to come down here and do that this morning. And tomorrow morning when you get up, do the same thing every day daily you pick up your cross and follow him there's some of you in here this morning I'm convinced that have never given your life to Jesus Christ you don't have the story like I was talking about and if that's you this morning here's what I want you to do in a moment we're going to stand we're going to have some, some leaders up here and they're going to be facing you some people are going to come forward and pray and if you would like to know, how can, I, how can I give my life to Jesus Christ? How can I be redeemed so that I can relate to God, my creator? I'm going to be standing here. Others will be standing here. Just come talk to us. We would love to show you.
Would you pray with me? God, forgive us. Forgive me, Lord, for taking lightly the cross. Forgive me, Lord, for not pursuing you with everything. Oftentimes in my life, Lord, I am guilty. You are just a resident. And the tabernacle reminds me, I must come to you on your terms, not mine. God, I pray this morning, here in a moment we're going to stand, and I pray, Lord, that, that those people, that person, whoever it is in here this morning that has never given their life to you, you would give them the courage to walk forward this morning and talk to somebody about it. For those of us in here, Lord, who need to, again, make you the sovereign Lord of our life, may we walk forward and confess this morning. Would you stand with me this morning as we worship? The altar is open. You're, feel free to come. The song is going to be playing. Feel free to sing. Let's worship. <laughs>